for the 135th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology for Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? Hey, I'm great. So, Don, you were in San Francisco with Verizon at one of their events. Yeah, last week I was invited to an opening of Verizon's new innovation center in San Francisco. So all the carriers have facilities like this. This is a brand new facility. And and really, the goal of places like this is it's really a lab that allows carriers to work really closely with partners and to provision devices and services with the network. And so what you'll find in in all these facilities, as I mentioned, all all the carriers have them, is things like isolation chambers for testing RF signals, where you can completely isolate a device from any sort of outside radio frequencies and test how it behaves on the network. You can simulate network situations, right? Um, So you can really kind of try to break the device or break the network, so to speak. So So from a technical perspective, provision things for the network. There's also basically miniaturized cellular networks inside of the facility that allow you to do all the testing that would be necessary to provision for the network. And the idea here is to make it really easy for partners to both understand how the networks work and how their devices can interact with the network and to facilitate development of of new technologies. And so a lot of times when you go to places like this, you'll see really cutting edge applications of the network, and this was no exception. So there were a number of partners there. Lockheed spoke quite a bit about some of the private network work they're doing with Verizon in terms of both mobile edge compute and using kind of drones with sensors, where they're basically replicating a private network using backpacks in the field for military applications. It was very impressive. They they were able to show a video of, of, of launching probably about half a dozen drones and being able to track down to a centimeter accuracy using a network that was all set up using completely mobile space stations and and private networks. Well, that's like drone warfare next generation compared to, you know, what's happening today. Yeah, it was was really, really impressive. And so the idea is that you would basically be getting the raw sensor feed that was coming in from these drones transmitted via private network to literally mobile edge compute nodes that were on backpacks for soldiers in the field. As you think about kind of agile warfare and things like that, this was a really, I think, compelling use case and and very, very forward-looking in terms of I hadn't seen anything like that before. You know, considering how much the military and military contractors are working with mobile providers like Verizon and, and others, it's amazing how much opposition the the military has to give the carriers more spectrum so that they can actually do this on even more spectrum here in the U.S. and train with it. That was one of the questions, right? So, you know, one of the analysts there had mentioned, well, you know, the military owns all this spectrum. Like, why do they need consumer applications for this, right? And and the idea was that, you know, the 5G and, and the latency it delivers and everything else has gotten so advanced that, you know, from a cost perspective, it, it makes a lot of sense. But just from a pure functionality perspective, I think what, when a lot of people think about 5G, they think about speed. Uh, but one of the real benefits, particularly with something like they were doing with the, with the drone demo, has to do with latency, right? And so if you've got targets moving in a field somewhere at a certain rate of speed and they're changing direction and things like that, you know, latency can play a big role in terms of whether or not you can target the what, what you need to be targeting, right? 
And so the military is shooting its own in its own foot, right? Right. 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 Uh, and it's also an interesting use of private networks, right? So, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of folks are waiting for slicing and, and the ability to kind of provision pieces of the commercial network. But the military, I think, is a very clear case for, you know, probably wanting to have more hardened connections and things like that. And and being able to kind of define the specs of the network as you can with the, with the private network makes a lot of sense with military applications. The other thing I saw that was really interesting is DreamWorks was there and, you know, they have all these interactive AR VR experiences set up where you basically. Well, I, I told you 20 years ago, no, 15, that you should go into AR VR. It's a big thing, right? Yeah. You've been telling me that the AR is the next big thing for 15 years. We're still, we're still waiting, right? One, one of these years I will be right. Keep saying it, right? But what was interesting is, you know, that today when you go to one of these DreamWorks facilities, you put on a, a, a VR headset and you, they essentially give you a backpack that's a computer. And it's kind of heavy and bulky. And, and the idea is that you go through kind of these simulated environments and it's like a theme park type thing. You're, you know, exploring a, a lost tomb or something in South America. But what, what they've managed to do is to, instead of having the compute happen on a computer on your back, which may not always work super well, it's, it's hot and heavy and that sort of thing. They've miniaturized it into a dongle that's essentially a smartphone without a screen. And then they're using mid-band 5G in conjunction with the cellular network and a mobile edge compute center that's close by to do all the rendering and all the heavy lifting for the data visualization, for the visualization, for the experience off the device. And yeah, so... Right. You know, it could be like... Dora the Explorer meets laser tag, right? Well, it's funny that you say Dora the Explorer because the other thing that they're really starting to look into doing with this technology is using it more for remote learning. So not just kind of a theme parky type thing, but using it so that you could do interactive classroom type exercises for, for remote learners, right? And I don't think anybody wants to put on a big heavy backpack and, and wear it during class, right? But I was able to try out this dongle and it's it's not heavy at all. It's you know, essentially if you were to take a small cell phone and put it on a lanyard and hang it around your neck, that's that's essentially the form factor. So it was very interesting. And I think one of the things that, that Verizon was really pushing or, or, or not necessarily pushing, but but you know talking a lot about in the event was was the ability to kind of spin up these private networks and dimension the network in a way that can be you know, specific to any number of use cases. It could be industrial, it could be manufacturing, and so forth. I, I think there's a lot of really interesting use cases for that. But I also feel like you know, slicing is another kind of shoe that's going to drop at some point, because I think a lot of the applications for private networking also could use you know, established commercial networks as well. But I thought it, I thought it was a really well-done presentation. I thought you know, the partners there were really engaging and it was a very impressive facility. It's about a block off the water in downtown San Francisco in a great part of town and about 18,000 square foot facility. So it's not small by any means. All in red and black. All in red and black. Yep. You know, you could definitely tell it was a Verizon facility. They had a mobile edge compute cluster there and it's all networked with their other innovation center which is in Boston. And so you could theoretically have teams working on either side of the country and then coalesce the data and the testing that you're doing in each of those locations to achieve what you need to achieve. Yeah, so this is very similar to the, the facility I've been to when 
T-Mobile had its T-Mobile for Business Analyst event last year. Yeah, so I mean, T-Mobile has one of these up in Seattle, right, or Bellevue. AT&T has a lab uh, near Stanford in California. Verizon had uh, the last generation of their lab was right down the street. I used to work in the same building off Spear Street where their older lab was. But this is, you know, I think redesigned based on all the 5G assets they're bringing to bear. And I think it's also timed based on, you know, what they've done with mid-band in, in the Bay Area. So they're, they're now covering 80% of the Bay Area with, with mid-band. They did an announcement around that, right? Right. There was an announcement in the press release about it. This is Lab Horizon Lab 2.0, right? Or 3.0. I mean, I think they all have had labs like this for quite some time. I remember going to a Sprint lab near the airport probably 10, 15 years ago. But these labs are designed to kind of spur innovation. You know, a lot of the IoT devices out there are end up getting developed in, in places like this. The carriers are still, you know, want to make sure that, you know, anything you deploy on their network or that touches their network is going to play nice. And so it's it's good for folks that are developing these third parties that are developing devices that that work with the networks, but it's also good for the carriers to to for them to make sure that things are gonna things are gonna work well. Cool. Cool. No, that sounds like a, a, a good use of your time. Yeah, I thought it was interesting and exciting. And, you know, I think one thing, you know, they talked a lot about there that, that I agree with is, you know, in early days of 5G, there's been, there was a lot of kind of pie in the sky in terms of, you know, remote medicine, all these very kind of far off use cases for 5G. And I felt like we're getting closer to kind of the more practical applications of 5G now. Now that the networks are deployed, people can start to do the the real work of, of figuring out, you know, how these networks are going to change our lives, right? And we saw with 4G, we got the whole birth of the gig economy and, and so many different apps and, and everything else that that 4G kind of enabled. And, you know, 5G is even more impressive from a technology perspective, but I don't think outside of fixed wireless, we really have the new use cases out there that are going to change change the world, right? And so, you know, it's places like this that will help us get to the next step with 5G. And so this is more, we're moving on from like the art of the, the possible to the art of the reasonable. The art of the practical, right, is how they how they position it. That's what happens, right, when, when technology matures. We're going away from all the sexy stuff and going to the... Well, some of it's still pretty sexy. I mean, you know, the the military applications for this were really, really impressive. And you can imagine there being applications for commercial drone usage that would be fairly similar as well. So I, I think we're closer than we think on some of this stuff. But it's it's definitely exciting. Awesome. That's that's good to hear because we've been beaten over the head with, you know, what are the use cases? And we had to regurgitate the same vision statements over and over again. And it's time that we are seeing what's actually being being done and deployed, right? Yep. yep. So, yeah, I think that's all the time we have for today. And, you know. All right. Thanks, Roger. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. 